This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. If you're feeling stressed out, you are not alone. Believe it or not, there's an American Institute of Stress, and according to them, 55% of Americans are stressed during the day. Stress can range from everyday pressures of work or family situations to financial worries and anything in between. Today, we're learning how to pinpoint the bad stress, how to manage it, and when is it time to reach out for help. That's all straight ahead on Prescription for Life. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Monica Robbins. Having a little bit of stress in our lives is normal, but often it piles up and leaves us overwhelmed. Well, when that kind of stress is left unmanaged, it can take a serious physical toll on your body. It can literally make you old. A study found people who experienced more stress showed signs of accelerated immune aging, which can potentially lead to an increased risk for chronic disease. Diseases. Our expert is going to walk us through what's normal and when stress can lead to problems down the road. But first, Jesse Pagan at our San Diego TV station shares a story about his health scare that started from stress. How stressed out are you? Oh, 11. I'd say it's 7 out of 10. I'm about to pay for college, so. <laughs> It's not a secret. Between the pandemic's lasting effects, the economy, politics, and whatever else weighs us down every day, we are stressed out. After stress gave me my own heart scare at the age of 30, I wanted to figure out how this can affect this. It's so important that whenever we're treating an individual, we're treating their whole life. At Rogers Behavioral Health in Rancho Bernardo, Dr. Maya Dion sees how stress and anxiety play out firsthand. Stress really is the physical and the mental reaction that we have to a stressor, which is essentially anything happening outside of us that causes us stress. It's our fight or flight reflex. In the animal kingdom, the threat is real. For example, prey trying to escape a predator. But for people, it doesn't have to be. Humans have this unique ability to imagine. So we can just imagine something happening, either it hasn't happened yet, or we can think back into the past, and we can create and generate that same internal physical reaction. Unmasked. Imagined or not, we've recently gone through what Dr. Dion calls collective stress, like the pandemic's impacts. It's just adding on extra layers of stress globally, so we're seeing this increase. A late 2022 poll from the American Psychiatric Association found 37% of Americans rated their mental health fair or poor. That's up from 31% in 2021. Meantime, 26% of people expected to be more stressed out this year. I'm seeing a lot more stress in my office, in the clinic, and in the hospital. I have patients coming and telling me I am stressed out and my blood pressure numbers are off the chart. Dr. Lori Daniels is a professor and cardiologist at UCSD Health. Stress and anxiety, they do, they cause real physical changes. She says while different from an actual cardiac event, like a heart attack, stress and anxiety do affect the heart, especially in the long term. When someone is under stress, there's a lot of hormones that get released. The fight or flight hormones like adrenaline, we call it epinephrine, and that sends a direct signal to the heart heart to beat faster and beat stronger and it triggers a whole cascade of effects. In a real heart attack, what's happening is one of the blood vessels that feeds your heart 
that supplies blood to your heart is getting blocked up. It's part of the heart muscle is starting to die. But the tricky thing is your body might use the same symptoms, an ache in your arm, your neck, or even chest pain to show you there's a problem. It's not always clear cut. CDC data shows heart disease is the leading cause of death for Americans, killing about 700,000 people a year. In California, that number's about 66,500. In San Diego County, heart disease killed nearly 2,100 people in 2021, the county's second leading cause of death behind cancer. While some stress here and there likely won't cause a heart attack, long, unchecked periods of it aren't healthy either. We are not going to function well if we are not doing things like sleeping sufficiently, eating, hydrating, just taking care of ourselves by getting movement through the day. Mm -hmm. So those building blocks are so crucial. And from her point, Dr. Daniels agrees. It's way more than we understand. There's a huge link that we don't understand between the mental world and the physical world, including the heart. Now take a deep breath, sit back, relax, and let's listen to our Cleveland Clinic expert who will help us manage our stress before it becomes a life-threatening issue. Joining me now is Dr. Susan Albers, a clinical psychologist with Cleveland Clinic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We are talking all, th all things stress today. Yes. So we've often heard that stress is a hormonal response. What exactly does that mean? Stress is a hormonal response in the body, and when we become stressed, it kicks off the fight or flight response, and two things happen. First, we get this flood of adrenaline in our body. That helps us to be very energized and kick into gear. Our heart starts beating a little bit faster, and we are ready for that threat. The second thing that happens is that there's an increase in cortisol. Now, cortisol helps us to manage that stress response but then things start shutting down in the body. It puts into reserve or puts on pause our metabolism, our reproduction, our immune response. So our body becomes very in pause and it sends all the resources to our body to try and fight off whatever stress we are experiencing. Do you find that a lot of people aren't aware of the physical manifestation that stress can cause? We experience stress in a lot of different ways. Some are mental and some are physical. Some of the symptoms of stress include feeling jittery. One of the number one signs I see is difficulty sleeping. We might also have some digestive issues, skin problems, our hair might <laughs> change in texture. When we know someone who is stressed, over a long period of time, we can often see that physical manifestation on the outside. But there's a lot going on on the inside as well. They may have mood changes, anxiety, depression, a whole cascade of issues. There are really two types of stress. We've got short-term stress, that things that we deal with quickly, an exam, paying a bill, and then long-term acute stress. This is the type that really damages our bodies. We are not wired to deal with long-term chronic stress. Who deals with it more often, men or women? Women and men both experience a lot of stress in our daily lives. Life is stressful, but women tend to have more stress or report more stress. They may have more demands in their life, juggling different roles, hormonal issues, societal expectations. Women also experience stress sometimes in a different way. 
they have more weight gain, they may have more heart issues. Women tend to die more of heart attacks because of their issues with stress. So they're internalizing their stress. Men, on the other hand, may externalize it in other ways, respond more aggressively, more substance use, due to that increase of fight or flight. So are you saying women need to exert their stress more often or you know we're going to get to ways to manage it in just a minute but you brought up some really important points about the physicality of stress and and the damage it can actually do um, but this is specifically referring to chronic stress this is chronic stress we need a little bit of stress in our lives not all stress is bad it helps us to deal with problems competition it, there's a fine line though between what is good stress and negative stress. A little bit gets us motivated, but over time when we experience stress, that's when our body starts to really break down. But do a lot of people not even realize that they have chronic stress? Yes, we normalize stress in our lives and there is a chronic epidemic of dealing with stress. And we have some collective stresses in our worlds. For example, the pandemic. We had a quite a lot of stress reactions. We saw it with kids, adolescents, adults, and we can all experience stress in different ways. In fact, what's really interesting about stress is that we can experience exactly the same stressor and two people react in different ways. So let's say public speaking. One person may hear that and get very stressed out, start to almost panic, and another person may be energized or excited by it. So our perception of stress plays a big role in how we deal with it. So when you go, let's go back to chronic stress though, because that's the one that everybody is probably dealing with and doesn't realize it. Yeah. Um, so how serious can these, you mentioned heart attacks, but when you're dealing with, you also mentioned depression and anxiety. If you're dealing with chronic stress for a long period of time and not recognizing it, how, what kind of impact can that have long term? In the short term, when we are stressed, that cortisol reduces our immune response. So it makes us more vulnerable to everyday kind of illnesses, such as colds, the flu, COVID. In the long term, it starts to break down our body. Those T cells and white blood cells that help to fight off chronic infection become paused. And so now we become vulnerable to type two diabetes, asthma, ulcers, cognitive issues, a host of different problems physically and mentally. So are you saying if somebody is dealing with digestive issues right now and they're not recognizing that they're dealing also with chronic stress, how do you recognize it? When do you know that you need to go talk to somebody? In my office when I'm working with patients, I will often see a few signs, very big red flags that stress has taken over in their lives. I might notice uh, problems with their sleeping. They're either sleeping too much or not at all. That's a big red flag. Also changes in their eating habits. They might be emotionally eating or completely lose their appetite, not enjoying life anymore, some anxiety, depression. Shutting down is often a sign that you just can't deal with all the stress that's happening in your life. So overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, I, you know, if you're starting to feel that, maybe it's time to go talk to somebody. Yes, if you're recognizing this and you're just not responding well, getting support and help is one of the best things that you can do. Unfortunately, for a long time, we've looked at stress management as being kind of a luxury or self-care, but it is a necessity. In my office, when we're working on a lot of um, different health issues, first we look at stress. 
We look at the role of stress in someone's life before we do anything else. You know, the funny thing is, though, if you're dealing with a digestive issue or a heart issue or one of those things, you're not going to go to a clinical psychologist. You're going to go to a gastroenterologist. So how does one know, no, this is something that you actually need to, you know, think of your mind as well as your body? keep track of your triggers. We often have some repeated patterns of the things that stress us out. And each and every day, write those down. It doesn't have to be complicated, but on a scale from one to 10, how stressed are you? And then also keep track of your physical manifestations and your mood. And once you start looking at that and keeping a record, you tend to notice that there may be a relationship between the digestive issues I'm having and the stress. And you start to put those two things together and look at it in a whole different way. You mentioned eating disorders that happens to, you know, there's always somebody who says, when I get stressed, I can't eat. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the person who, when I get stressed, I eat constantly. Um, nutrition and stress, how is it connected? They are very connected with each other. And in many different ways. Often people notice that they start to gain a lot of weight when they're stressed out. And they are doing nothing different in terms of what they're eating. And the reason for this is because when we're stressed and that cortisol is flooding our body, it also raises our blood sugar level and reduces our insulin sensitivity. And that way we have our blood sugar spiking and crashing all the time, so we become hungrier. That's why we start to crave sugar, fat, all of those different foods when we're stressed. And as I mentioned, in my office, when people are stress eating, we don't talk about food really very much. We talk about the stress in their life and understanding that relationship between the two. Also, one of the best things that you can do is to change your diet. When we're stressed, our body becomes very inflamed on the inside and food can help that or it can hurt it. So sugars, processed foods, increase inflammation and stress out the body and make us more vulnerable to type two diabetes, a lot of stress-related illnesses. But that's what you're craving when you're I stressed. I know, I know, and emotional eating as well. So you want that comfort when you are feeling stressed. Instead, we can focus on some foods that help to reduce that inflammation. So the three I like that I recommend all the time are citrus, mandarin oranges, foods that are high in vitamin C. We need that when we're feeling stressed because our immune system's down and that vitamin C really helps. And they taste like candy. And they're sweet, right? So it, it helps to satisfy those cravings. The second is blueberries. Those are really helpful. They have a lot of antioxidants and help to buffer the body against all of that stress and the wear and tear. And then the third are nuts, any kind of walnuts, almonds, pistachios, they have a lot of um, uh, omega-3 fats, but also even better is that they have magnesium. And when we're stressed, we tend to feel really anxious and there's a relationship between high anxiety and low magnesium. So boosting that magnesium up can really help. That's really interesting. I'm so glad you brought up supplements because we see so many supplements on the market, especially those that claim they can lower your cortisol. Yeah. Is there anything that legitimately can lower your cortisol that you can just go to your local pharmacy and pick up? Not that so directly. There are different minerals and vitamins that can help to regulate your hormones, to help to uh, reduce that inflammation. There's not one be all end all. 
but there are many things that we can do even habit-wise that help to reduce our stress level. There are some studies that look at drinking black tea that can naturally help to reduce our cortisol level. So if you're feeling stressed, nice cup of black tea can help. No kidding, what about green tea? Green tea can help as well. So just one's iced and one's warm and pick which one during the day. Both or are comforting. Yes. Yeah. You, it's interesting you mentioned magnesium because what I've, I've learned about magnesium, it also helps sleep. Mm -hmm. Is that because, you know, when you're stressed, you're not sleeping and it's, if it's magnesium is low, if you take it at night, it also helps your sleep level? Magnesium can help sleep and sleep is the cornerstone of our mental health. If there's one thing that we can do to help and reset our stress level is get a good night's sleep. There's a recent study that looked at individuals who were sleeping between seven and nine hours at night, and there was a 22% decrease in the risk of depression. So we need it to reset our hormones, realign. Even if we miss one hour of sleep, we are hungrier the next day. And we don't have the energy to do those coping skills that we do on a daily basis to help us to manage stress. Insomnia is a stress, uh, you know, symptom, if you will. But what about, I know a lot of women who have trouble, they can fall asleep, but they can't stay asleep. Yeah, turn that brain off. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. That, is that a stress trigger or is that a warning sign as well? It's a warning sign of significant stress. Being unable to fall asleep or stay asleep or just turn off your brain, it's usually racing over and over again and it's hard to shut down. And it's easy to say, um, you know, do some relaxation exercises to help you sleep. Not always easy. There are a number of resources that you can use to help you to fall asleep. These can include things like meditation, mindfulness, yoga, things that help to calm down your stress response. There's a lot of apps, such as the Calm app, Mindspace. There's also the Cleveland Clinic has a lot of apps that they produce that help walk people through how to do meditation, how to relax and deal with stress. That's me. I have no patience to sit still for any amount of time. So when I listen to guided meditation or, and never do this in the car, by the way, um, if when I listen to guided meditation, it actually like walks me through what I need to do. What about deep breathing? We hear that constantly. Deep breathing is one of the best things that you could do. It helps to trick your body into thinking that you're relaxing or going to sleep. One of my favorite breathing exercises is what's called the four, seven, eight. You inhale for four seconds, hold for seven, and exhale for eight. And this has been shown in a number of different observational studies to help to reduce anxiety and help people to sleep. Very easy, you can do it anywhere, anytime, and free. So are the managing stress, um, you know, tricks and tips, are those things you should be doing before bed or first thing in the morning? When, when do you recommend people do, you know, get access to, to those types of things? I recommend that people practice them when they are not feeling stressed. It's a little bit like learning to swim. We don't wanna to learn to swim in the middle of waves and a lot of chaos. We wanna learn how to swim when things are calm, calm waters. Same with stress, practice those exercises, the yoga, meditation, mindfulness, breathing exercises. First thing in the morning is a great way to start the day, but um, you can do it routinely 
anchor it to different activities to remind you. Let's say every time you send an email, do a quick breathing exercise. Do you recommend looking at your life too and figuring out where are your stresses and getting rid of them? But I also say at the same time, there are some stressors like your job, you can't get rid of necessarily. This is very true. There are certain stressors in life that are just going to be with us and we can't do anything to get rid of them. We can predict which ones are going to trigger us to have a stress response, which is helpful knowing that it's coming. But for those things that we can't change, we can change our response to them. And that is what is really key. The way that we think about that stressor, if the dialogue in our head is, I can't deal with this, that is like throwing fire or fuel on the fire of igniting that stress response. Telling yourself, I can do this, getting some support, that helps to calm down that internal response to stress that you just can't get rid of from your life. Two things I've learned, worry is a wasted emotion. True. And when you're totally stressed, I focus on five minutes at a time yeah. just to get me through the day. Being in the moment. Being in the moment, yes. yeah, that helps. I say focus on what is happening versus the what ifs. Those what ifs cause a lot of stress, bringing it back into the moment and focusing on what is happening is a lot different. Final thoughts, what do you want people to take away? Using your natural resources each and every day to deal with stress. We don't have to spend a lot of money. We don't have to go out of our way. We can do stress management wherever we are. And it's so important to our mental and our physical health that it's something that we can invest in every single day. Great insight, Dr. Albers, thank you so much. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Prescription for Life. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Monica Robbins, and I'll bring you another prescription next week. Until then, wishing you good health. Thank you so much for tuning into Health Yeah. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Like and follow my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Find video podcasts at Monica Robbins channel on YouTube. And please subscribe. Wishing you great health and hope to see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.